0: everybody and welcome back to chatting creative arts podcasts and this is the first in a series of podcasts all about assessment and creative arts obviously so my name is Julia Brennan and today I am with the wonderful Jan Warhurst who's an incredibly experienced teacher across the board in all key learning areas but particularly in the creative arts and is currently Deputy Principal at Wallara Public School. So welcome, Jan. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thank you, Julia, for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Great. And we cannot Mm -hmm. wait to hear about all of your wonderful years of experience and all the things that you've got to offer to help us. So thank you again. All right, so... Jan, I thought we might, might sort of just start with perhaps you sharing a little bit with our audience about you and your journey and how, you know, how you got so heavily involved in arts education.
1: Okay. So first of all, I was going to also mention how I initially crossed paths with you. Um, when <laughs> sure. We, when I, as one of, the, one of the ways that I've actually, um, as a classroom teacher for since 1978, that I've found in teaching um, that contributes to my longevity in the profession is is by using and embracing the exciting opportunities provided by the Department of Education. And one of of those was working with the um, choral teachers in the Department of Education, and that's when I first met you as a teacher and you were conducting and leading some of those activities. And then I went to a workshop with John, Dr. John Saunders and you were actually sitting next to me. So it was really exciting to cross paths at that time. Big, big blast from the past. That must have been a while ago, Jen. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it was in the city was at, at that time. So my arts education started as a young child and in a family where the arts were really really revered and and just we did a lot of fun things with the arts so my mother immersed us in drama lessons and ballet lessons and I was privileged to have piano lessons and to be accompanying my father when he sang at home he used to have a beautiful baritone voice and he would sing and um, he often sang when his friends visited and I would be um, instructed to play the piano which I I guess I didn't realise at the time how special that was, but it was, yeah, pretty phenomenal.
0: That is so um, phenomenal. Do you do that now yourself?
1: I, I do. I sit down and play. I've got a grand piano and a pianola and we've also got a keyboard and these instruments were bought for my children mostly to play and which they all which they all do at different times.
0: That's fantastic. Good on you.
1: So in terms of... Um, that my journey starting, my arts education started like that, and then when I became a teacher, gradually I started to embed the arts into my own teaching. As you know, a young novice teacher, I was the one who could play the piano for kindergarten while they sat while I stood there and sang, you know, many many songs one after the other. But it was it was really wonderful to hear them. And then we used to go and sing for parents and sing in shopping centers and that sort of thing. Um, I bet you so, they
0: all remember those days too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so that was um, how my arts education journey started. And then as the time went on, I uh, you know, adapted and reinvented myself through different programs and projects, which I'll talk about a bit later. But it was in a, in a um, career that has spanned such a long time, I have felt that the creative arts has been a constant and it's also helped me to improve my practice every time, you know, every year, every, with different various things that we did. Well, that's yeah. fantastic. Thank you for sharing with us that story. So, I mean, you really filled in
0: a little bit of my next question, which is how's the arts influenced your life you know professionally and personally and i love that personal story that you've given to us and yeah you know, that's actually the same with me it was the the thing that converted me over to the arts so much was having it just in my household my dad was an artist but he would yeah. sing along with that record player on on saturday and you know he'd be belting out a bit of dolly parton and Burr live's and <laughs> <laughs> it's such a beautiful fond memory that i have oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah,
1: so uh, he was, was a, visual, your story. He, he's a visual
0: artist or? he was, Yeah, yeah, he was a visual artist. Well, he was actually a draftsman but um would sit mm. there and draw and paint on the weekends as as well as singing. I don't know how good a singer he was but he, re, he thought he was pretty good. <laughs> I thought he was pretty good too actually yeah, at the
1: time yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't realise how much my dad loved it I guess until – My sister, my younger sister, was going into a lot of musicals over at the Boys High School at Manly Boys High and and they need a father figure in Oklahoma. So my dad went and auditioned and got the part. So then he was in Oklahoma as he would have been probably 45 or something like that. And so all my friends were in this musical with my sister and my dad. (laughs) So (laughs) that was where I realised he was very confident, which ironically is um, more like my daughter, Sam, who's got that confidence to, Beautiful. you know, to engage in the arts that way. Yeah. So why do the arts mean so much to you, Jen? So um, personally, they, they influence my ability and my, my, my whole well-being in a sense. Um, I feel that um, my family and my extended family love the arts and my children have interpreted their own experience with the arts as children and young adults. and They've done different things with the arts now that they're older. And for me, um, if I for leisure time, I will go um, to the theatre or to the opera, or I will. Um, and I have met many, many friends. I mean, not, and some really good friends I've met through through the arts. They might be um, they might it might have crossed over from professional work that I've done, or it might be through. Um, you know I've met some authors and one particularly Nadia Wheatley has become a good friend oh, wow. Oh, wow. You know, she just inspires me every time I work oh, yeah. With her. yeah she's just incredible so she came to my school last year and and um, she did the whole my place um, work she did workshops with the children she did the Papanya model and she taught the children all about the, their circle stories. So when we have our Festival of Creativity next term, um, we're going to ask Nadia to come and do another workshop for some other children. But she's, she's really wonderful at um, working with professional learning with teachers as well. So um, going back to my, um, in terms of why I'm so passionate and how it's influenced my life, um, I suppose that it's um, it's contributed significantly to my connections, which whether it be social or emotional well-being, or pro- professional and cognitive well-being. And um, professionally, I've worked with Department of Education and Uni- University of Sydney in music, drama, and visual arts in schools. And these these. Um, colleagues and um, critical friends have been mentors and coaches for me, and so my career has been heavily influenced by that. Um, through those partnerships, I've engaged in academic research with Australian Literacy Educators Association. Initially, the, uh, the money provided through the arts in um, northern Sydney through um, colleague Jenny Gregory who provided mm-hmm. us with. Marnie and also then Aaliyah provided us with an inaugural grant so that we could um, have our work published and present at a conference and some of the projects that we've um, worked on have been improving literacy outcomes, motivation and engagement through the creative arts. That one is the one that was one of the scholarly articles that was published. Um, We did did one which I'll talk about a bit later, which was Future Directions in the Arts through Readers Theatre, and that was a very powerful project because that was across three schools with three different groups of children, and, again, that was with um, teacher colleagues who were um, as passionate about the arts as I am. And then there was another project which we did with Luke Carriage, an actor, mm-hmm. and that then led me to present at Drama Australia in Western Australia a few years back. And um, then they went on to build that into a play, and that was um, like a rough draft. So the students in at Curl Curl in in Year Five and Year Six actually. Um, looked at what Luke was coming up with and gave him input, and then he went away and developed the play. So that was a puppet play. Um, so, yeah, so professionally, I, it's helped me to make links with colleagues all hmm. over northern Sydney. Like then, me! Yeah, like you. Yes. yes exactly. That's
0: where we first met when you were at Girl Girl
1: yeah. North. That's right. That's yeah. right. I can think that that's where I feel very privileged to do to have done that and then in more recently so there were lots of projects at Curl, Curl and that was that was mainly because there was a really fertile ground for it there with the with the arts unit the regional um people like Jenny Gregory and yourself but you were state weren't you at that point
0: I honestly can't remember. <laughs> I do remember that we had the chat the other day that the last time I sort of worked with you was when I was very large and about to give birth, and she's now just about 15, so it's that's right. that's right. that's a long time ago, that's all yeah. I know. Right. But I'm definitely now, you know, curriculum, so that's the yeah, big focus yeah. here now. So
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, is so curriculum with the arts is, you know, about that pedagogy and it's about how you're teaching. it.
0: Yeah, really absolutely. So let's have a little chat, speaking of pedagogy and talking about creative arts curriculum, because that's why we're here. You're super passionate, as am I, about embedding and connecting the arts authentically into your students' learning. And I've heard you comment And this is, you know, what's really drawn me to having a chat with you today. I've heard you talking about putting the arts into your English lessons, for example, making it relevant, making it really real for your students learning. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that sort of a statement about, you know, authentically embedding the arts into your English and how teachers out there listening, you know, regardless of their level of confidence and experience in the arts, and they might want to even incorporate a bit more arts into their classrooms, how could they go about it? How can they do the sort of things that you're talking about here?
1: Okay, so um, what I what thought first of all is definitely using literature. So starting with literature as an art form, but it is also a way that accelerates the learning in regards to literacy. So um, I wanted to share with you something that we did yesterday um, or the day before it was um, with this book called um, The Wolf's Secret and And who's that by Jan? The book is by Miriam Damon and Nicholas Diggard, illustrated by Julia Sada and what I found about this book was that it really was a year six class and the initial attraction for the students was to the illustration. So the wolf has a secret. And as we went through the story, we found the spaces. So we don't read the book all at once. We, we predict what may be happening in the story. So we've, and we've documented this with the teacher. So predictions about what the story might be about. And then a real study of um, the illustrations as we went through. And the language in the story is really quite amazing. For example, the talisman bell jingled softly, like an echo of the music that had guided him before. And, and students chose their, uh, their favourite part to, um, to draw, and then they also chose the language that sort of reached out to touch them. So what we found was that um, the students and the students said this themselves, so we've actually um, written this down. That it was doing that that's helped them to observe more carefully what's what's happening in the story. It's helped them to uh, understand what the author's purpose is. It's um, and we culminated it a little bit on Tuesday in on Monday that, and we said, okay, what are the what are the main concepts in this story and. So that were well, they were incredibly sophisticated. What they said about how you can't judge a book by its cover, and you need to, um, you know, not all people are bad. There, no one is all bad. So there was a lot of really um, looking at different perspectives in this story. Beautiful. And on this page here, where the wolf says to. Um, says he's telling the the woman stories because her father has just died and she didn't turn around and she says, I will sing for you, but I am so sad and so lonely. And he says, you never need to be lonely again. I will tell you the tales of the forest, the mysteries of the trees and the beasts. And he says, only promise me you will never turn around. So what was interesting, there was a special needs student in the class and... Students had to pick out, by the time we'd read the whole story, they had to pick out what the critical points in the story were. And this one, this boy never participates in the class. In fact, he's, he's always standing at the back or sitting at the back. Mm-hmm. He gradually listened to the whole story and he wanted, and so they all, they all came up with a critical point in the story and they, they produced that for the class, like a frozen image. Mm-hmm. And yep. they had, one of them had to come out of the image and to explain what was happening in that part of the story. So he led that part with his group, and it was quite, it, it was quite moving because you could see how much that had touched him. So there are other, there are other um, wonderful parts of the story, that really obviously reach the children. But I think what, what I'm saying is you start with the start with the literature, then you um, you, um, you obviously preparing your your outcomes that you want to achieve, you're looking at your syllabus, it might be your um, learning intentions that you want the children to, um, to work on. Looking at success criteria, but one thing that I notice is when, when teachers use this approach is that they um, the pedagogy is the curriculum, and it um, and it really it really influences the way the children engage. It also influences the depth of the work you get from the from the program. Um, It provides, the arts provides a structure and a scaffold and a clear example, clear examples to demonstrate their understanding. And then the formative assessment comes from that. Okay, so now you've just picked up on some wonderful points there,
0: always going back to the syllabus. Fantastic. Always bringing out those outcomes, being really clear on where you're heading, making sure you know exactly what you're trying to achieve and taking it back to the syllabus and getting all of that from that document. Fantastic. And I think a lot of us forget about that. We get carried away in the moment and have to always draw it back into the syllabus, don't we? Um, And I love the way that you just pulled out, you're using that text to make predictions the way that you were getting the students to illustrate finding that critical moment and that child you've just changed that child's life forever Uh, it's just fantastic so thank you so much for sharing that story with us um jen i was going to ask you now just to talk a little bit if you wouldn't mind a little bit more about formative assessment so you've just started to touch on it there now so Can we go a little bit further now about
1: why you think formative assessment is so important? Okay, so I believe that um, it's really important to have in your planning with the children what you, you know, what things you want to achieve in that lesson. So um, a more specific example would be um, with the younger children where I've been looking at a book, a story, the story of the selfish giant. So one thing that we needed to focus on with the children was their critical literacy, you know, obviously their inferential comp- comprehension, mm-hmm. but specifically vocabulary. So we, we worked together and we created mind maps around uh, vocabulary that the children were predicting would be in the story of the selfish giant. Again, we had not even read the book yet but so this was all from the children's imagination so when all the children produced their own first of all we did it together and then they produced their own and I could immediately see but there was a high level of success in that because everyone had had the scaffolding and everyone had been able to make their own mind map and so then I was able to analyze those during the lesson and at the end of the lesson and to see what children had grasped that vocabulary i also throughout the lesson i was taking note of who who was um really um able to articulate what what sort of a character he is and mm-hmm. to project into that character so i think that's so important because then that leads me to my planning for the next lesson and then for the children to actually have that success with, with that particular story. I also have thought that where it's creative arts and you are using formative assessment, the children are collaborating, so straight away they're, they're achieving um, together and they're sharing, and they are the owners of their own learning, so they're using their own imaginations the feedback that then I can give them is real and authentic and connected and it's not superficial and it's not, um, it's not narrow. It's, it's, you know, we were able to really engage in that story together and to, and to look at what, what they had come up with. So I see the teacher as the catalyst leading the questioning, acknowledging the students' work samples. All the time, I always. It's very important to look at their work samples. To have several work samples um, over a period of time, to for them to the students to value the perspective of others. I think um, when when they're producing work in the creative arts and using formative assessment, they can all see what they're what they're doing when sharing those um, in the in the during that lesson we had an s a support teacher who was in the room who went in, who's actually frances berry the actor and she she was able to then show the children how to do um really great strong um, evocative critical moments around the selfish giant and what they projected was going to happen in the story so that in itself was An assessment, because that then enabled me to see, and all of us to see, and the class teacher and Francis to see what the children had were able to do. And And, um, yes, so that was um,
0: so. Jen, you've actually just um, prompted, well, made me really think about something that teachers quite often will say to me: Do I have to always have a work sample? as in a written work sample or a product or something like that. So let's just unpack that, that phrase, word, work sample, because it doesn't have to always be the final performance item or the drawing that they've done at the end of it. It can be something that they're doing throughout, correct? So just even yeah. the process or where they're at in the process of doing things, not just the yeah. product.
1: That's actually a really good point, Julia. Because there's one student in the class that at the beginning of the year seemed a little bit disengaged, and when I said to them, you know, as you do at the end of the lesson, okay, we'll go out to um, recess one at a time, and I said, look, look at the look at your mind map, look at the one that we all created together, um, spell one of the words that describes the giant, and one of the students that I you had no idea how uh, um, clever he was he said um forgivable and then he spelt it this is a eight-year-old so he spelt correctly and um he and he went on his way and his teacher said yes i have been noticing that he's so in a sense that was a work sample or even if it's um articulating a question or answering a question it could be you know all those things Great. Okay. Thank you, Jan.
0: That's absolutely fantastic. I think, you know, if nothing else comes out of this, that realisation that it doesn't have to be the end product that we're assessing here. It's an ongoing process.
1: So, thank you
0: for really highlighting that. So, um, you recently described to me some incredible changes that you'd seen in your students' results over the to- over time through intervention with drama, and I'm assuming that's connected to the fantastic way in which you've described that you formatively assess and you use your consistent teacher judgement along the way with that. So can you describe to us a little bit about those changes that you've noticed in your students?
1: So um, what, one thing I've used over, over the time um, as a teacher and also um, as a leader is that um, concept of pre and post testing so it could be the pre-testing could be um, you know a piece of writing where you've looked where you've looked at it It could be a NAPLAN um, uh, result that you've seen it could be the Neil analysis which we actually used in one intervention and we had some um, students in the group that had you know had really struggled with learning to read and particularly in that um, you know, learning to read phonetically and using letters and sounds and, and all of that. So this particular group of students were assessed using the NIL analysis before we engaged in a program around reader's theater. So we used the text, Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Book? Mm-hmm. Children learned how to write their own, their own reader's theaters. And the whole school really focused on Reader's Theatre at that time, and we, um, which was very, very powerful. So I wasn't actually, my own class wasn't in the study, but there were two classes at, at my school. That, there were two at North Sydney Dam, and there were two at um, <clears throat> Manly West. So what we did was we analyzed or we tested everyone in the Neil analysis at the beginning, the classes that were involved in the study, and then we tested them again at the end after it was it was um, it was actually two terms the program, mm-hmm. and um, so what they would what the children would do would be each week they would um, work on their readers theatres. They studied the book in literature circles to start with, then they worked on their readers theatres, and then they would stand at the front of the class and they would present their readers theatres, and they would use. Um, they would wear glasses so that they knew, you know, felt that they were the actors, they wore wigs, and then they ended up pre- presenting that to a festival at the end of the whole project. But <clears throat> there was um, many students went up several years in that program. A wow. particular child that had really struggled right through. And then um, what was interesting with her was that she went up three years in her reading through that through Reader's Theatre, but then when I taught her in Year 6, she um, <clears throat> needed to, with her writing, she needed to draw pictures to tell the story before she wrote the story. And over the year, and she really improved her um, reading, but then she also became one of the main characters in our play about Skellig by David Armand, which we we got into the State Drama Festival doing that play.
0: Oh, well done. And I think you've just hit the nail on the head there too with to action a change like you're talking about and um, really see, excuse me, significant change that we need to look at a whole school approach as the best option yes. to do it and then pulling out, as you've described there, one um, drama form such as Reader's Theatre. Yeah great way to do it to action change across the whole school and it's yes. something that's really accessible to everybody isn't it
1: yes and we had a critical friend in that and a, you know she was an academic partner that was yeah. Robin, Robin professor Robin Ewing so she was um working with us as teachers and helping to guide us and i really believe firmly believe that it's great to have those partnerships with universities and with you know bodies such as the sydney theatre company because then that helps to it really inspires everyone mm. you know? and i said to one of my colleagues I said to gretel what did we actually do in some of these projects she said we inspired each other so magical
0: yep <clears throat> and again that's coming back to what you said about your students earlier collaborating and all owning their learning Yes, you've just yes. modeled that yourselves haven't you so that's yes, fantastic right. practicing what you're preaching um look jen we are we're running out of time and i I'm, I'm really loving talking <laughs> to you. I, I always do every time i talk to you but i know that one of your great loves is the power of storytelling and you know your eyes light up every time you talk about storytelling through drama and to me my in, my mind instantly goes to dance as well um A lot of teachers out there are really afraid to let loose with storytelling. So I'm just wondering, I can't, it would be remiss of me to let you go without talking a little bit about storytelling and how teachers out there, I often hear, you know, particularly in Stage 3, teachers are a little bit worried about doing storytelling with the boys particularly. So fill us in on some of the gaps and how, you know, how it's worked for you and how maybe other teachers out there could go about taking
1: on storytelling. Right. So in a few different ways, um, I've had a great mentor in storytelling and that's been Victoria Campbell, Dr. Mm-hmm. Victoria yeah. Campbell. So she, I met her and we. she would come to my class every week and tell the children's stories. So they fell in love with story. Then um, <clears throat> through our literature program we introduced um, we introduced stories such as myths and legends. And they really particularly grabbed um, the older students. So we did something, um, for example, Persephone and the pomegranate. And the children would, um, we would read the story, we would hear the story, we would tell the story. And then the children would write their own myths and legends. And then they were able to tell the story. But in terms of learning how to tell a story, I I believe that you do need at least one teacher who can do it well and then they can teach others and then they can teach the children to do it. And then it carries over into their writing and you'll notice that there will be improvements in their writing. Um, There was also um, a project I did about the book Blueback where I asked the children to listened to a piece of music from. Um, it was the music from Deep Sea Dreaming from the Olympic Games in 2000, and mm-hmm. the children listened to the music and created a deep sea drama about it. And they used all of the um, all of the sea life that they'd read about in the book Blue Back by Tim Winton and. This was actually really exciting because they told a story of, you know, perhaps it was the shark and the krill and and blueback himself and so on. And then they moved during telling the story and that became a dance. And then we videoed them all and then they came back and they wrote down the um, movements that their sea creatures had done and it was amazing. The power of the uh, language that they used. So that was because they had embodied. Well, first of all, I think the music really helped them. I think mm-hmm. the um, I think the um, the book really helped them. The literature again, because they were inspired by Tim Winton's language, and, and then they were given the time and opportunity to work in groups and create their own undersea undersea draw, um, stories. And then you could turn that into a beautiful visual artwork as well, couldn't you? Well, we did, and we made a lot. We made a wall-sized mural where everybody sewed their own oh. favourite from the story, and I think that, in that, that beautiful mural is still back at the school. So Talk about the, a cross-arts experience. That oh, is oh.
0: gold just mm-hmm. there. Thank and you,
1: And all, all of the um, students' calico squares were actually sewed into the mural. And they, oh, you know, they were so various media. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't actually think I need to ask the last question because you have completely answered it throughout <laughs> the entire conversation today, Jen, which is, you know, why are the arts in general important for our students? Do you think you can sum it up in one
1: sentence? Um, yeah, I <laughs> no there's, pressure. There's, I particularly I was thinking about this, Julia, I was thinking, it really helps you to differentiate seamlessly as well, and every st- every child feels included it's real inclusion when you're mm-hmm. assessing in the creative arts because everyone can achieve success and obviously the teacher has to put a lot of time and effort into the planning, but it's proven to engage and motivate children and you know young adults and it also yes, it improves all of the research that that I've done, and I know a lot of other mm. academics have done. It shows that it, there's evidence that it improves learning outcomes.
0: Oh well, well done. That was very succinct. Well done. <laughs> thank you, Jan. I couldn't have said it better myself. That was amazing. Um, look, Jan, thank you so much for your time speaking to me today. I, look, it's, I'm I'm super inspired, and I'm now thinking about all the things that I need to. Um, go back and work on to support our teachers further in this journey because, gee, there's some fantastic ideas in there. Thank you so, so much. It's a pleasure. And I believe you're heading off to New Zealand in the morning for the birth of a grandchild, so it doesn't get more exciting than that. So all the best with your journey and thank you again for your time talking to us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me pleasure and people listening if you're looking forward to hearing more about the creative arts and in particular as I mentioned in this series on assessment there will be more coming up so make sure you subscribe and keep listening for more engaging conversations like the one we've just heard with the incredible Jan Warhurst so thank you so much Jan
1: it's a pleasure hope to see you again soon bye bye